right, y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in to the Bliss is Ignorant podcast. This is comedian Jay Bliss. Appreciate y'all tuning in, man. This week, I have the pleasure, the honor. Uh, I'm, a, I'm excited, man. Um, this cat here is uh, one of my mentors. Proud to say one of my mentors from the comedy game when I first started in 2005. Um, y'all give it up for my boy, Tone X, is in the building. What's going on, nephew? Not much, man. I'm, I'm smiling, man, because um, like I, I think all the way back to when I first had ideas of stepping on stage. Uh, this was when I was in New Jersey. But then, like, moving to Charlotte, um, you know, and being able to see the scene and how it was, I always had that itch, but I never had the the confidence to do it until a tragedy happened in my family. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that way anymore. I got to go do what I got to do. And, and I'm going to just go do it. But seeing you regularly just being on stage, doing your thing, and the confidence that you had on stage, I was, like, looking from afar, like, yo, like, this cat is doing it, and he's look, doing it effortlessly. You know what I mean? It was, like, one of those things in your head where you go, I got the same type of confidence. I can do this. You understand what I'm saying? But I never came to you, never, never walked up to you, said, hey, man, I'm interested in doing comedy, whatever, like that. I was like one of them cats that was cerebral to be able to go, how can I do this? Let me get my pen and my paper and write down a plan on how I can make this happen. Right? Right. So right. before I was checking for you to see if you was checking for me. Right? But it was like, I wasn't looking for approval. I was looking for you to be like, who is this dude? Like, you know, <laughs> like, one of, like one of those things, you know what I mean? But um, I think it was like, um, and we'll get into the story itself that made me feel like I was accepted within the comedy community. And it wasn't just you. It was a number of mentors that I had that was in my ear that was telling me things to go, yo, Bliss, like you, you got to do it this way. You got to do it that way. Or don't change, you know, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and we go through this, this comedy thing. We don't really know what impact people have on us based off conversations, but, you know, there's one of those things that we're going to talk about throughout this podcast. Nice. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. So, so let's talk, let's talk one second for, uh, for a quick second about uh, a topic that's at hand. And I, I, you know, I like to talk about like things that make us laugh, but this is a very serious thing. The George Floyd inf- incident. Um, mm-hmm. how, how you feel about it? You having sons, uh, me having daughters, and the conversation that you have to have that you probably already had with your sons and how this thing is continuously happening over and over and over again. Wow. You starting, you starting off with the blockbuster, ain't you? Yeah. I, I want people to kind of dig into this one and just be like, all right, let me hear what, let me hear this grown man conversation. There's a philosophy that says comedy can go places that politics and religion can't. Absolutely. And there's also a philosophy that says laughter is good for the soul. Mm-hmm. You see now how both of those walk hand in hand because for me, it's a balance and it really helps me keep my sanity, mm-hmm. being able to administer humor, not only to an audience, but to myself and to my family. The, the actions that you're seeing going on in this country have been going on in this country since the beginning. Yep. 
And the thing that makes it so different now is because of technology and a smartphone, and you can have real-time video and real-time footage. You don't have to wait for the news to bring the story, and the story gets edited, and then they put it out. There's nothing conservative about a camera that's rolling, a video that's rolling on a phone. It's all real-time. Yep. And so with real-time comes real feelings, real emotion. Yep. You don't have to wait for the emotion to come. It's right there in your face. Yep. Think about the George Floyd case and the Ahmaud Arbery case and the young lady who was shot in Louisville, Kentucky. And see, the list goes on and on and on. And the thing is, black people don't get a chance to hit the reset button. No. Because as soon as you gradually decrease from one incident, another one shows up. Yeah. Then when you get a chance to understand that one, another one shows up. Mm -hmm. And then you might see multiple events of this magnitude in a 24 to 48 hour basis. Black people don't even have the luxury of these kind of events scheduling themselves. So it could be one on Monday, mental rest on Tuesday, another one on Wednesday, rest up on Thursday. They just keep coming back to back to back like Chicago Bulls championships. Absolutely. With me having two sons and a wife, mm -hmm. the conversation has always been in, in, in my home and with my sons. I have one 21-year-old and one 10. And it's always been taken off of the movie, The Great Debaters. Right. There was a scene when Forrest Whitaker, who was playing the role of the father, he had got stopped by a white police officer. And this police officer was so aggressive toward him. And he was trying to, quote unquote, keep the peace. But we always understand that children might not do what you say, but they would do what you do. Right. So later on in the movie, he was talking to his son about something. And he blew up on his son. And his son was like, well, you didn't blow up on that white police officer when he was in your face. And he slapped his son. Yeah. And that's the scenario that I use for my sons. And I would always ask him the question, if that situation was to happen, what would you want me to do? And my 21-year-old would always say, do something. You can't just sit there and not do nothing, Dad. You got to do something. And I would even sprinkle in um, particulars like if the cop was disrespecting your mother. Right. If he, right. Was, if he was saying something to you, if he was trying to pull me out the car. And his answer is the same. Do something. But for, in order for us to do something, nephew, that's a, that's a mentality. Absolutely. Because I always say God and fear cannot coexist in the same space. Right. And fear is what keeps a lot of us from doing anything, from standing up, speaking truth to power. I always say speak your truth even if it makes your voice shake. A lot of us, we, we can't get past the fear. Uh, I was listening to Brother Risa Islam and he said, we don't fear the police because we tend toes down when it comes to us killing us. 
and us going at us. He said, we fear death. And that is one of the problems that keeps you stagnant. And you will let injustice go and you will try to sweep it under the rug or you will be on the sidelines telling somebody, don't fight the police, just do what they say, stay calm. You know how this is going to end up. And I was watching the film and I told my wife, there's no way. And the key thing about this whole discussion is I'm speaking for myself. No, there's no absolutely. way yeah. that I could have stood by and, and watched it. And I understand the minister teaches us to be smart. But the thing is, if I have 20 men who walk with the philosophy of Malcolm X said, never cross a man who's not afraid to die. If Absolutely. I got 20 of those, Absolutely. the situation changes. Right. Because they will stop at nothing until they try to seek justice for the injustice that they see going on in front of them. It only takes one person to film or video. But I understand, nephew, everybody don't have the same mentality. And the only person you can control in this world is yourself. Absolutely. And you and, uh, can't tell people how to react. You can't tell people how to act. Every table must stand on its own legs. Absolutely. So the discussion is always going on, and the energy is draining. Right. And, the, and, and Malcolm, X, Malcolm X had a line, a famous line, you know, the, the, the price of freedom is death. You know, you, you, can't, you can't try to live your life or have this quality that we want without some sacrifices. And we've sacrificed enough, you know what I mean? But we still toe that line. We still have the people that'll, that'll try to be apologists, that'll try to, try to walk both sides. There are no both sides. You know, it's, it's, it's our side. And it's their side. And they'll never live on our side. They'll never have to deal with it. And it never will come into their front yard. It will never be in their front yard. And once that fence opens up, and it will never open up, their dog is there to protect them, right? Right. We are the dog barking with no fence, and the bark is our skin tone. Mm. But we're aggressive immediately. So they're going to attack that dog and go, hey, go get that dog. There's no fence protecting that dog. There's nothing stopping that dog. That dog is going to be that dog. And that dog is going to bark. And that bark is our skin tone. And we get attacked every day. You understand what I'm saying? Nephew, you did on it. You're talking about famous lines. Um, he said, the media is the most powerful entity on earth. Right. He said, because they have the, the power to make the innocent look guilty and the guilty look innocent. And he right. said that's power because they control the minds of the masses. The masses, yep. So the media paints a picture of the black community and they paint a picture and a narrative of black men. And when you constantly see that, then white America they start to absorb that because the mind is soiled. And then when you see the actions of the police, white America says because of the narrative and because of the picture that's painted with the black community and these black men, whatever they do is justified. Deeper than that, 
the narrative that's being portrayed for the black man causes a lot of problem within the homes of black men because society has taught black people, especially black women, that the black man is not capable of leading. And you have a lot of black women who might have the attitude, I'm not saying all, that might have the attitude that let me teach him how to be a man or teach him how to be a leader when they don't understand that it's innate in us to be a man and a leader. Alpha male is what we are born to be. So then you have that narrative in the household that's constantly bumping heads. So the minute that man walks into that home, she's going, I need to show him. Instead of stepping back and saying, let him lead and let me help. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. She can't show him. She can't show him. She can't show him. If you go back to the blueprint, and I'm talking about God blueprint. Absolutely. All right. The universal God blueprint. What, like you said, is already in you. You Mm -hmm. are a nurturer. Yep. You are a nurturer. You are the mother of civilization. You are the most important asset that we have. The woman is more important than the man in the order of God. Now, I don't want men to be like, what is he talking about? Oh, yes, because the woman is the closest thing you have on this earth to God. Absolutely. She gives life. The thing is, a lot of men don't see it that way. Right. Because if you saw it that way, you would go through by any means necessary to protect your woman. Protect that woman. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so when women step in and they say, I'm going to teach him how to lead through the eyes of a female. Right. That's a different type of leadership. Right. The man is the protector. Once you take that away from a man, what is he left with? He has to adapt to something else that he's not. Absolutely. To appease and please whom? Not even the woman, not even white people. Right. A system in place that looks good from the outside. Looks enticing, but once you get on the inside, you realize this system was never set up for me, and I'm going to kill myself trying to be a part of it. It's like watching the hamster on the hamster wheel. You can't tell the hamster that he's not moving, and you can't tell the hamster that he's not going, moving in speed. Wow. Back and analyze it. You say, I wonder do we understand that he's going in the same place for the last five minutes? Absolutely. This 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 a bigger this needs to be on a bigger platform. Like honestly, man, like like we can go for days. Like I, I had to explain to my daughters just last night. And we had to look at this video. I showed them the Malcolm X clip that I put on my, my uh my timeline and I explained to them, listen to this. This happened in the 60s. It's still going on today, but listen to this narrative and understand what you're hearing and then look at that story again. And then understand that. There's two sides to every story, but don't let the media flip around to let you know what the truth is. You understand what I'm saying? And they're going to paint that narrative, and I keep telling them, they're going to paint this narrative of you. They have an idea of who you are before you even walk into the room. But you have to rise above that. I said, but don't ever let nobody put you in a box. You understand what I'm saying? And it's if you hear someone speaking ignorance to you, you walk away from that. And you let them learn on their own. And don't try to convince them otherwise. Their parents taught them that. You understand what I'm saying? I'm on top of it, nephew. You know the rabbit hole goes deep. 
Mm -hmm. And I would say to black women, if you want to ask your man a question mm -hmm. to see where he is, mm -hmm. don't ask him, when are you going to try to get another job? <laughs> don't ask him, when can we try to get a bigger house? Right. Don't ask him, when can we get some more things? Ask him this. Ask him, would you go to your wit's end to protect me mm -hmm. and see what his answer is? And his answer will let you know everything about where he is in the relationship. Yeah. You won't have to guess. Absolutely. And if you got a man whom, without even thinking, comes right out and says, Yes, I would. I would suggest that you turn a deaf ear to what your girlfriend's saying in the salon. Yeah. I would suggest you turn a deaf ear to what's going on on Real Housewives of Atlanta. Yeah. And I would suggest you put your effort, your time, and your energy into that black man that told you that because what he just told you is he thinks enough of you that he would put you before himself. Absolutely. And he would lay it all on the line to protect you. And when he protects you, not just physically, emotionally, spiritually, the whole gamut now. Yeah, financially. Yeah, all of that stuff, man. That's great. You know, that's good stuff, man. Um, you know, we 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 uh, I love the conversations you have on online, uh the grown man conversations you have with your wife and things like that, and then like your radio show. Um, you know, it's just like you said, grown man radio. Like it's right. certain things that you have to talk about or certain things that you have to address. When I seen the transformation, like I seen how things flipped around. Like I said, early Charlotte, like early two thousands. You know, mm -hmm. you was on the radio. You was on a uh, 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 ninety eight power ninety eight power ninety eight, and you was part of the, you know the the breakfast crew. And you know, it was a different style. You know, was the the baggy jeans and the and the jerseys and the and the, and the hats and the, and the game was tight. The the the, the nice kicks and and you was right. always on point. You know what I mean? Then it was like I, I'm I'm past this point. Like I'm not this person. Like I'm I'm a grown ass man. I'm not right. dressing like no like no teenager. You understand what I'm saying? It's not beneficial. Right. And there's a maturation process. Muhammad Absolutely. Ali said. If you're the same person in 20 years as you are now, right. you haven't grown at all. Right. You stayed in the same space. Right. And when a family comes into play, when a wife comes into play, when the loss of a loved one comes into play, when you start seeing how the world yeah. sees you. Yeah then you start a maturation process and you can never time anybody's walk or their process. That's your process. Right. But once I came into what's, what I came into, I was like, this is what it is. This is who I am. Yeah. This is what you get. And I'm yeah. more comfortable. I always say I traded in my bag of jeans for slacks. Yeah, yeah. I traded in my Air Force Ones. For um for some Italian loafers. Yeah. You know, I took off the hoodie, I put on a blazer. Right. And I kept it moving. Right. You know? Now yeah. I can still be grown in a blazer, 
you know, and some nice sneakers. Right. Trust and believe. Yeah. But for the most part, for the part. Yeah. I've learned to accept the growth and the maturation process, and it fits me. I'm more comfortable in a suit. Absolutely. Than I am in a sweatsuit. Now, it's a crazy thing. When I was in um, when I was in college, um, every Wednesday for our business class, we had a finance class. We had to wear business attire, like it was required to right. wear business attire. That was part of your grade. Like you could come up in class without business attire on Wednesday, but if you did not come in class with business attire, it was marked down on your grade. Right. We always ask the professor, like, man, why we gotta wear this? Been this hot outside, man. It's August, bro. It's hot. You know what I mean? Professor was like, listen. When it's time for you to leave up out of here and it's time for you to go to work every day, I don't want you looking uncomfortable or feeling uncomfortable or sitting crooked in your seat because you're not wearing a suit every day. That's what you're going to have to wear to work, so put it on at school. And when you, after a while, man, Cass was wearing on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Cass wasn't worried about nothing. They was rocking these suits every day of the week. You understand what I'm saying? It was just what right. it was. And right. that's one of the things that you have to teach and one of those things you have to – the knowledge. I didn't grow up with a father in the household, so I, I, I picked up a lot of those things – in college, I picked up a lot of those things from uh, the people that I watched and the people that I I, I, I was under their wing when I was in school. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. it's like one of those things. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's talk about uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. And, Port City. And the Port City and comedy itself and how it happened, what that scene was like, and where did it come from? Um, what's funny is in Wilmington, you know, my mother worked for the Board of Education mm -hmm. and her office was in the high school that I went to, John T. Hoggard High School. Okay. And I was a class clown because my mom pushed academics so hard. Right. So I never had, um, a learning curve for <laughs> For grades, because my mom used to be like, a C is average, you're not average. A B is above average, you way above average. Right. So I need to see A's. You know what I mean? I need to see A's. Mm -hmm. So I was always on the academics. Yeah. Right. And so what would happen is, I was one of those cats who I used to love to turn my work in first. I wanted to turn my test in first. And what that would do, that would free me up <laughs> to have time to watch everybody else do what they do. Right. You know what I mean? Do what right. they do. Right. And so I would start making noises. That's when the beatbox came in. I would make yeah. sounds. I would do this thing like it sounded like somebody was changing channels on the radio. Mm -hmm. And I would make it sound like it was in your backpack. Like one kid got in trouble one day because she turned around and said, who was playing that radio? <laughs> and she sent him out to class. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm on to something. Right. You know? Plus, if you kick me out of class, I'd go downstairs to my mom's office. She'd write me a letter or a note for the next class. And then I'd, I'd go in there. Because a lot of times, if I didn't do my homework the night before, I'd go to my mom's office and do it. Right. And then she'd write me a note, and I'd go to class. Right, right. So I never really did structured comedy in Wilmington. Right, okay. It, it was just me um, playing the dozens, snapping at the lunch table, 
Um, I used to drive an activity bus. I drove a school bus. My mom was school bus coordinator. Right. So I would drive the, the athletes after school, after practice, and we'd be on there cracking and snapping. And really, I had to do it because I was a chubby kid. So to keep you off of me, yeah, I would use that to keep you off of me, all right? I, and I, I, I never knew that, man. And I never knew oh, that about man, you, man. Listen, I had the fat cheeks like I was walking around with like I had walnuts in my cheeks and I, I had the stomach rolls and you know, the thing I had going for me is because everybody knew me yeah. and my mom and seeing the city, everybody knew my dad. Yeah, My dad was a hustler. So yeah. everybody knew my dad. He's had an uh, automobile dealership. So my dad sold cars. So everybody knew my father. Right. So that was, that was the loophole where you really wouldn't mess with me, but you would still mess with me. Wow, bro. You, like, I mean? you know, now let me tell you the crazy narrative about that. So I grew up a twin. I got a twin sister. Right. She was always overweight. So I was popular. My sister was well known, but I had to go resort to comedy for people not to mess with my sister. So my dozens came from people cracking on my sister, and then I would have to go hard on them till I wouldn't stop. And they'd be like, man, just stop, bro, because he ain't going to quit. And then it was even to the point where you keep messing with my sister, now I've got to fight you after school. So it was either I was making jokes or I was fighting after school. And it was either don't mess with her because he's going to start wilding out and leave her alone because Justin is cool. you know. And that was like, oh, like that's how – my whole mentality started. You understand what I'm saying? So it was like... Go ahead. Yeah, it was It was like that was the same type thing. Like, I had to come up with another idea because I was like, I can't keep fighting everybody. Right. You know what I mean? So I had to I had to resort to the humor to be able to say, all right, well, we, they ain't going to mess with her now because I'm cool and everybody think I'm funny or whatever. And then people would be like, all right, she cool. She can hang with us. We ain't going to mess with her because we cool with him. I, and see, I never had to go the fighting route. First of all, I ain't. First of all, I ain't want to fight you. Right, right, right. All right. I was too laid back and reserved, so fighting wasn't even in my repertoire. Right. I could, cause my mother, my mother had me in every program, every sporting activity, every club. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? I was taking trigonometry, okay, math, and I was in junior high school. Because when I would leave junior high, you could walk to the high school through the woods. Right. And my mama would send me up to the trigonometry teacher until she finished. Wow. And the trigonometry teacher would start teaching me math. Wow. Okay? So that's the kind of stuff that I was doing. I right. was in karate. I was at a karate tournament. And my pants had a safety pin in them. You know a black mama. <laughs> She's not gonna buy no new karate outfit. So you're gonna wear the same outfit, but it had a safety pin in it, and the safety pin popped. So when I went to bend down to pull my pants up, they kicked me in my face. Oh man. And I lost the tournament. Oh man. Because of that, because I was trying to keep my pants up. <laughs> That's why I lost the tournament because I was trying to keep my pants up in front of all them Caucasian people. Oh man! Because you know back then it wasn't a lot of blacks taking no damn karate. Oh, not not at all. 
Not at all. So I, was, I, I was a swimmer. So, yeah, I was a swimmer. So it was even worse for me. So, you know, so I, I lost because oh. of that. <laughs> and then the other thing was I used to do the beatbox. Right. Like I was rapping mm-hmm. and doing the beatbox. So at school, if any cast was doing a battle, they would always go get me, go get Tone. Right. Go get Tone to do the beat. You know, I'd be like, what y'all, what, what you want? They'd be like, so-and-so. And then I, you know, I, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. So I do my thing. Right. And get it and get it going. Right. Look at me trying to show you at 52, I'm still nice with the beatbox. That's all that was right now, there. But here's the thing, though, Toad. We all come around the same time, but people don't understand how much fun that was in that oh. element of hip-hop. In the very beginning, you had people that beatbox. You had to have somebody start the beat. You had to have people that was going to drop them rhymes. And it was like, that was what we did, making beats on the desk. That was what it was. My daughters still are amazed when I hear some 1988 hip-hop and I'm going word for word. And they like, Daddy, how you still remember all of that? I go, because we didn't have an iPad. We didn't have YouTube. We had our radio. And that's all we needed. You know what I'm saying? Like, we had our radio. Man, you know I, do this joke. I do this joke, nephew. I say, you can ask a kid nowadays, what's your mom's number? And he'll say, he'll say number two. Right. And you'll be like, no, that's that's the speed dial number. I'm saying, <laughs> what's your mom's phone number? <laughs> right. Because when I was coming up, yes. you had to memorize numbers, Dad. All phone numbers, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You had to memorize numbers. So that one era, that era was a beautiful thing because it got us to now. One of my best lines when I was back in my single days in the nineties, uh, meet a young lady out somewhere. You know, we having a good conversation. It's almost time to go. Hey, you mind if I give you a call sometime? Absolutely. Take my number down. Go ahead, tell me. I'm ready. You ain't gonna write it down. If it's important enough for me, I'll remember it. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That was it. And wait two days and give her a ring. Right, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, line. That, that's, that, go, that go right into when I say now, a grown man remember what he want to remember. Always. 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 You know what I mean? So that was that was those things. Now, I remember seeing you um, at your uh, Deaf Comedy Jam uh, television debut. 95. It was a it was a proud moment for Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, because it was like, yo, that's that's us right there. You know what I mean? It was it was the Queen City. Um, and the scene in Charlotte at the time, I don't think it'll ever get back to those Tuesday nights at the comedy zone on Independence was so it was jam-packed every Tuesday. Uh, the line would be all the way outside. It was the Crazy. place to be. Uh, I'm envious because I wasn't in comedy at the time. I didn't even get to that point to almost 10 years later. And it was right. born by then. Right. Um, tell me about that time. Tell me about how crazy it was or what it was even like to be able to say, I know I'm hitting this stage tonight. The thing that's funny about Deaf Comedy Jam, I got out the military in 1990. Okay. And then 1992-ish, somewhere up in there, maybe, uh, I was in a, a contest, Zima Clearmore. 
and right. Walter Latham had a contest. And I won that contest. Right. And the finals were here in Charlotte. Right. Nate Quick, rest in peace to him. He was hosting that at Ovens Auditorium. Yeah. And then the winner of that got to open up for the Kings of Comedy. Right. And then, of course, I went on to tour with the Kings of Comedy tour. Me, Steve Harvey, Bernie Mac, D.L. Hughley. Right. Said to be entertainer. And 1995, when I did Def Jam, I was still in Wilmington. Right. I would be coming back and forth to Charlotte, but I didn't get up to Charlotte until 97. And I was the second cat in North Carolina to take Def Comedy Jam. Right. I remember that, yeah. So when I got up here, that's because, backtrack, between 90 and 92, right in there, I had came up here to the Comedy Zone. Okay. And that's where I met Nate Smith, who's with Kevin Hart now. Yes. And I just wanted to get on stage. Right. And so he was like, you know, I'm going to let you go up, whoop the whoop. And I went up and got a standing O. So I was like, oh, and this was all of them years of snapping, cracking, yeah. getting people off of me, all right. of that. And I was like, oh, this is, you know what I mean? You get bit. You're like, I could do this. You right. know what I mean? I could really do this. And then Nate Quick, when I got up here, he was like, listen, because I started at the Comedy Zone before I got up here, too. Right. So Nate was like, look, want you to come on Tuesday nights. And I was like, cool. And so that went on for a while. And then he was like, well, why don't you host every other Tuesday? Yeah, man. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, why don't you host? You know, you're on the radio. You're on the morning show. You could host Whoop the Whoop. And that turned into Freaky Tuesdays. Yes. Yes, 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 man. And Freaky Tuesdays. Oh, my God, man. Look. Bananas. You didn't know who was going to be in the building. That's when I met and kicked it with my man, Anthony Mason. Anthony Mason. I remember that. Rest in peace to him. He used to always sit in the back in the corner. Yep. You know what I mean? And so many people came through Freaky Tuesday. You never knew who was going to be in there. And it was always packed right. to the, to the last there. seat, man. And we kept that going, man. That was the longest running urban comedy night in Charlotte. Yep. yep. And that thing, man, was the launching pad for a for lot of cats. For yeah. a lot of people, a lot of cats. You know what I mean? Some cats that came on that stage and they're no longer here. They transitioned. Yeah. That's how that's how deep that stage goes. We was in there one night, Anthony Mason was in there, and one of the comedians got on stage and said, man, y'all give it up for Anthony Mason. Anthony Mason was there, Bob was clapping and everything. He said, yo, you the man, but you be bullshitting on NBA Live. Man, let, <laughs> let that thing win, bro. The whole room went crazy, man. He said, I hate your left hand. He said, I trade you every time I get on the game. I said, dude, that show was bad, yo. <laughs> I said... I said, that's the most ignorant thing I've ever heard in my life, man. I just was like, man, this is hilarious. You know what I mean? It was like, I just remember that time, and I was like, man, I was so envious of that. But I'm going to tell you this. When I started doing comedy, like they tried to recreate it. I started, and I was going over to the Big Chill, and right. I was going time over to the Big Chill. And I remember, you know, meeting you in passing, uh, 
some people that was in my ear when I first started was people like DS and Birdman and and uh and Dave Martin and uh uh David L uh, uh and uh, D Cameron uh-huh. and, and yourself and um after Big Chill uh Big Chill was good for me because I started at the Comedy Zone in the mainstream room but the Big Chill put me on my guard Cause that crowd wasn't for no BS. They was like, man, you either gonna be funny or we gonna get you up off this stage. We don't care if you're here every week, you either gonna be funny or you gonna get up off this stage. Right. And they respected you coming back. They did, even if you didn't do good, they respected you coming back. Cause they like, we're gonna give you your time, but if you're not playing, if you're playing, we gonna get you off this stage. And I, yeah. I respected that. The other thing that I loved about the big chill was Chris Funny Man Robinson met me and he gave me my time. He made me go first because he's like, I don't know who you are. But after that, anytime I showed up, I don't care who was on the bill. I don't care who he promised time to. He's like, Bliss, you want time? I was like, yeah. I mean, y'all full? He's like, I don't care. We, we, we'll get you there. we get you on. And I, I always appreciated that. Didn't matter. He always made me feel like I was a superstar, even when I was only doing it for a year. You know what I mean? That's because you were. That's nah, because you were. It just hadn't it just hadn't reached to you yet. That's how the universe yeah. worked. Right. And Chris Funny Man, that's my brother from another mother because what we created oh, yeah. with Tone X and Friends. Oh yeah. When Comedy Zone switched to Scandalos, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that thing was oh, that was mean. I'ma that tell was you fun, man. I'ma tell you at night. Uh, and I, I tell this story to a lot of people, and you probably remember it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. You know how we used to be in the back. The back was the best time in that back the room. Back was wilding out. <laughs> that back room, and then the back room behind the back room was the most ignorant stuff going on back. We would laugh back there so hard. People would go on stage with tears in their eyes, and people were like, what's wrong with him? Be like, man, listen, um, let me do these jokes real quick so I can go on back here. <laughs> <laughs> with these bugs back here. So it was one night we was back there, and it was it was maybe about six or seven of us back there. We wilding out, cutting up, joking, doing the dozens like we usually do. You freestyling. We wilding out back there. Right. And I'm about to go on stage. It's one comedian up on stage. I'm about to go next, and I got this little piece of paper in my hand, and I'm going through my list of items that I plan on talking about on stage. And you was freestyling, and you walked past me, and then you look back past me and say, what you got there, nephew? I said, my my uh, my set list. And you grabbed a piece of paper, you looked at it, you folded it up. And I threw it away. And you threw it away. And I said, what you doing, man? I said, I gotta, I'm trying to remember the order. And he go, you don't need that. He said, I see what you did. I see what you do already. You go up there and do you. I said, I'm trying to remember the order. He said, you don't need an order. He said, I, I remember that, man. Do. I see what you do. Now go up there and do what you do. Since that moment, I have never wrote written out another set list ever. Never. It's Everything crazy. has been here, and if it don't go as according to plan, you basically told me you got what it takes to be able to just go what you can do what you do. But you don't realize the importance of what was going on. You were freestyling at the moment that it happened. So you freestyling, rapping, and you stop to tell me you don't need this. I'm freestyling right now. Go up there and do you. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm going, that's crazy. But that moment was like, all right, cool. But but it also told me at that time, he accept, he accepts you for the craft that you have. 
and you guys are he looks at you as a peer because he wouldn't have said that to no no lame person that he just felt like was going through the motions you understand look, what I'm saying? <laughs> look i was freestyling i wasn't trying to be a hater and i seen you over there organize your order on the paper right and i snatched it out your hand because i was trying to save you because i was like the universal listen you won't need it later Wow. You understand like an alligator. <laughs> I was cold. I was chilling like a refrigerator. <laughs> I was telling you, understand, you made for this. Nephew, go on stage and just BJ Bliss. It ain't nothing you can do. This is a sap song. Go on stage, forget the negative. There's no wrongs. Boy, tell your jokes. Your punchlines are so strong. I'm trying to tell you right now, you got it going on. Don't worry about the girls in the front row. Take it over. Do your thing. This is your show. Keep listening to your uncle and you will grow. It's unlimited the places that you're going to go. Now you got me right here on your podcast. Jay Bliss all over the world showing your ass. Baby girl from the coach to the first class. And I'm telling you the real. This ain't no gas. Because you already know how your uncle do. It ain't a room I can't shut down when I come through. 25 years in the game and I'm still good. With my chain swinging out, that's in any hood. Now I'm representing now for them Uncle Toms. George Floyd, peace of the nation, yeah, that's Islam. And I'll be telling them the words like the Farrakhan, but don't risk it, because over here we don't do butter biscuits. I'm glad that you got me on your show today. So I could freestyle and show them the grown man's way. Uh-oh, say the time's up, we keep going. All wise, all human being, we all know it. Keep going, Jay Bliss, because your time is here. You don't even understand what's coming here. Don't think about this far because the shit is near. <laughs> Do you see me like these diamonds shining in my ear? I'm trying to talk real clear. Hanging on down like some more in the chandelier. Boy, God and fear can't coexist in the same space. You understand? You understand what I'm telling you, man? Yo, listen, 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 man, listen. Man. Every time you freestyle, I'll be waiting like, yo, he he going he gonna mess up. <laughs> Dude, you kill it every time. Every time, man. Every time, bro. It's crazy. It's crazy. I just listen, man. I've always felt like um your space, I mean the space that you in, I'm sure you are right where you are you're happy where you wanna be. But I just felt like it's oh it should have been a bigger, a bigger thing, man. I don't care if it's a voiceover. I don't care if it's a freestyle show. I don't care if it's TV. I don't care what it is. I'm like, Tone, y'all don't understand how talented this brother is. Yes, they're like, like I'm just, I just, and I, I tell people that all the time. They be like, yeah, man, such and such and such, such. And I tell people, if you mention Charlotte Comedy and you don't say Tone X, you don't know Charlotte Comedy. I mean, you just don't know it. You haven't, you haven't been around it. You don't know it. Somebody say you from Charlotte, they start naming people, and I go. I'm not having a conversation with you. Like you just mentioned five wrong people. You understand what I'm saying? Like you didn't even you didn't even start with the people that are important in Charlotte Comedy. You understand what I'm saying? And I always say that all the time. People go, oh, such and such won the award of the funniest comedian in Charlotte. And I go, okay. And they go, why you ain't winning? And I go, I'm not trying to be the funniest person in Charlotte. I live in Charlotte. You understand what I'm saying? I was like, but if I'm the funniest person in Charlotte, I'm not doing the right thing because I need to be out of Charlotte. I need to be traveling. That's how I get my, my known. You know what I'm saying? You know, I just I just came through Ramadan. Yeah. And this was one of the toughest Ramadans, particularly because 
we we were forced to be inside. Inside, right. And the fasting and and the prayers. And, but I told my wife, I said, when I come up out of this Ramadan, mm-hmm. it's going to change me. Mm-hmm. It is going to change me. It's going to change how I look at myself. Mm-hmm. It's going to change how I look at people. And I'm going to understand how the universe works. Right. And to not be bitter about what you think are opportunities that you let go is not going to help where you're trying to go. Because there is never a such thing as that time has passed. Right. No, it had. Right. Because you're constantly building on your craft, but you're constantly building on yourself. Right. And a lot of times we get in our own way. Right. And a lot of times we're afraid to jump because we get comfortable. Mm-hmm. So you sit and watch people you started out with, and they're doing movies, commercials, they're in this, they're in that, and you can. Look at it two ways. You could either be bitter or you could get better. And you have to understand everybody has their own walk. Right. At their own pace. Right. And success looks different to everybody else. The same way I would say, well, damn, I ain't get a chance to be in that movie. Is the same way the comedian that's in the movie would say, well, damn. I ain't get a chance to be on radio. Yeah. The yeah. same way I would be like, damn, I didn't get in that commercial. It's the same way the comedian in the curse commercial would be like, damn, I ain't get a chance to tour with Monique. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be secure within yourself and you have to trust God. We say it so much that it sounds like a cliche, but when you understand the words that you are manifesting out of your mouth, and when you understand the energy that words have, and everybody's on a different frequency, and when you stop worrying about doing things for everybody else, Mm -hmm. and start doing things for you and your happiness, happiness is a choice. When you wake up in the morning, you can choose to be happy or not. Absolutely. And that's going to dictate how your day goes. And the universe is always listening. The law of attraction is working 24-7, 365 days, even when you think it's not. Mm -hmm. It is. So that's why you keep going. You keep manifesting. And whatever you see yourself doing, whatever situation you see yourself in, you visualize it and you go get it. Yeah. And you don't worry about how long it take you to get there. You know, Bernie Mac didn't start blowing. He was over 50, yeah. 45 years old, they started paying attention. Yeah. But he had that base built up because he had been doing his thing. And so when he got to that point, he was gone. Yeah. I remember yeah. Steve Harvey saying sometimes it takes 20 years to be an overnight success. Absolutely. But when it happens, you prepare it for it. Exactly. Ready. Some people are prepared for it. Never. They never prepare for it. They flop. But cream always going to rise to the top. 
you know, when I see somebody and they go, yo, you heard of such and such? I'd be like, man, that dude a beast, man. You just finding out about that dude. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you just got to understand, you know, how long somebody actually been doing it. I only been doing it 14. You know what I mean? And then people be I like, still, I still get that though. Yeah, right. You know how it feels, nephew, to come off stage after 25 years of doing it and a cat look at you backstage and be like, yo, damn, Tone, you're funny. <laughs> and no, be like, but it's, it's, it's the person that walked. It's the worker. It's the person that walked. Like what? It's the person that walked past and go, "You don't know who that is." You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's funny. You bring that up because I'm gonna tell you a story, and you 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 never heard this, but we were at Stats one night. So you had the show at Stats with TK Kirkland, and um, I walked in the spot. And I did. I, I didn't see you because you was on stage when I first walked in. And I dipped right to the back. I went all the way to the back by the bar, right? And uh, Tommy Chung was in the house that night, and he went and did a set. Tommy didn't do good on that set because of TVs, and I don't know what was going on. I remember that. I remember it. But I was standing in the back, and I was, I was watching. And as a veteran, Tommy was just trying to get that laugh. He was just trying to get that laugh so he could get off that stage. But I was like, well, he, he, he won too long. He should just get off the stage. And I said under my breath, I said, he got, he got to get off that stage. And this dude standing beside me was videoing, videotaping. And I asked the young man, I said, you, uh, you, you, did he give you permission to videotape him like that? And he goes, yeah, I got permission from Tony. I got a YouTube channel and I got a following and started telling me about all the people that got, he got following him and all this other stuff. And I was like, okay. He's like, I do comedy too. And he was showing me his shirt and all this other stuff. And I was like, all right, okay. All right, brother. And he goes, um. Uh, he goes, uh, how, how, how you know Tone? I said, I, I do comedy. And he goes, what's your name? I said, Jay Bliss. He goes, never heard of you. That's just how he said it, All right? So I said, uh, okay. So he goes, how long you been doing comedy? I said, hey, no problem. Don't worry about it. I said, don't worry about it, man. You good. Like that. So I, I didn't say anything to him. I just, the, the way he said it, I said, all right, you good. So as I was walking up towards the front, I was walking to the front to come speak to you. But you were still on stage, and I knew you were going to walk off. And Nikita B was up there, too. So I went over there, and I tapped. I said, hey, sis. And she gave me a hug. Then Cousin Clyde was standing right there. And I said, what up, Clyde? He go, what up? And the dude that was talking to me in the back saw Clyde. And he goes, Clyde, you know, you know him? No, he asked me. He said, you know him? I said, you ask him if he know me. Like that. So he went up to Clyde. I said, Clyde, you know him? Clyde go, bliss? He go, dude. That dude funny as hell. Yeah, like that, right? Soon as he soon as he said that, you was on the microphone. You said, shout out to my man Jay Bliss in the building. Y'all give it up. One of the funniest cats doing comedy right now. TTBS in the house. That's that bullshit. Like that. Crowd started clapping, right? The dude looked at me. Nikita, you gave a shout out to Nikita. As you gave that shout out, Deion Cole walked in the room. Yes, he did. Deion Cole walked in the room. I walked over to the side, played it to the side. He walked right up to me and go, hey, man, don't you do comedy? I said, yeah. He go, you do the, the acronym, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, what up, man? Dap me up. Then you pulled him up on stage. So he was doing the announcement that he was doing his taping for his show. Yeah. Young boy walked up to me and was like, yo, man, I apologize. He said, hey, man, let me, let me explain something to you. I said, Always respect a man as a man. I said, don't never come out your mouth sideways because you don't know what type of blessing you might be stepping on. You don't know what stage I can get you on. You don't know who I know, and you don't know what I know. I said, all you had to do was say, 
hey, let me follow. Let me find you on social media. Let me follow you. Let me do whatever. He's like, I just never seen you before. I said, because I'm not around here. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, but that's my point when I try to explain to people, you don't know who somebody is. You know what I mean? Just understand what it is. But I, I was like, man, that night it was so crazy because like I said, you didn't know. You didn't know you was gonna see me. I didn't know you was gonna see me. But the fact that you glanced over and you saw it, you was like, "Let me shout this dude out real quick." And I, was, I was like, "Dude, you don't understand how important that was at that moment." <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That's because it's all love with me, man. That, right. That, that's the frequency. That's what we operate on. Uh huh. And there were people who looked out for me. Mm hmm. So why would I not look out for anyone else? And anytime. I have the opportunity to say your name because names are powerful. The most beautiful vibration mm -hmm. that can cross a person's ears is his name. Absolutely. That's why names are so important. And there's a book out called uh, The One. And uh -huh. the philosophy from the author is, whomever you meet, you should always treat them like they are the one because you never know who you talking to. And yeah. comedy is so clicked up. Mm -hmm. If I don't see you on this show, if you ain't been on this tour, if you're not associated with this crew, yeah. then you must not be funny, you must not be well known, or you must not be that good. But when I walk into a room and it can't be like, oh gee, so-and-so and so-and-so, and them young cats be like, look, OG, when I did, I did a show with DC Young Fly. Mm -hmm. Okay, and DC Young Fly ain't know he ain't know about me. Nah, I'm not in his job. Right. But I did this one joke, and you know the joke, nephew. It's about when I say them young girls be drop talking about if I get my hands on you, I'ma drop down and get my eagle on. Right. And I'd be like, No, you're not. Cause that's the wrong bird for me. Right. If you want to get my attention instead of dropping down and getting your eagle on, why don't you drop down and get your pigeon on? And then I start doing, I start doing like this. So T, DC Young Flower sitting beside the stage. Right. Cause I was bringing him out. Right. After the, after that man, when I went back, he say, OG. Right. He say, man, when you did. <laughs> right. Down and get your pigeon on. Right. <laughs> right. I died back there. <laughs> right, 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 right. That was the start of me and him. Right. You see? Right. So it ain't the name. Mm -mm. That's for people who get caught up in titles. Right. It ain't who the funniest. Because right. you got some people that'll tell you Kevin Hart, funniest person on the planet. And then the next person at the table saying, I don't find him that funny. Right. Comedy is an individual preference. Right. Somebody will tell you the Benz is better, but then this person over here tell you the Ford is much better. I'd rather have a Ford than a Benz right. for whatever reason. Right. What you have to do is that gift that you have. Yeah. It has to be bigger than just making people laugh. It has to be bigger than just uh, doing jokes. Yeah. Because right now, that's how the majority of the world sees us. Right. We can entertain you, we can dance for you, we can tell jokes to you, we can shoot a hoop, we can throw a ball down the field, but when it comes to seeing you and I, 
as people. Yeah. We hadn't got that point yet. So right. as long as you being funny, we cool. But when you stop being funny and you turn into the educated black man, right. that causes the problem. And we don't know how to identify with that. There's a lot of comedians and there's a lot of entertainers going through what we're going through right now. And they're worried about, am I going to lose my white fans? Am I going to lose my Caucasian supporters? I suggest that you stay true to yourself. Yep. You can't pick a side and straddle the fence. You want to be funny for us, but you don't want to offend them because basically you walking along the line of money can manipulate your thinking. Yeah. And, and truth is the word of the oppressed, not the oppressor. And you wow. cannot control what other people do. If they ride with you, I wouldn't give a damn if they green. If they ride with you, then they'll ride with you. If they fall off because you speaking your truth about your people, then they would never ride with you to begin with. They would just ride in the car, but they wouldn't ride hers. Because right. at any time, when you stop, they could get out the car like Ice Cube did and Boys in the Hood when he said, let me out the car. Let me out, right. And, that's and the that's rest that's of them went on to do what they was going to do because they was riding. You better be true to yourself. Uh -huh. You better stay true to your family because when it's all over, when they stop laughing at you, when you ain't packing them in no more, when your name ain't big on the marquee, you're going to look around and all you're going to have is that same family that's been riding with you. And the sad thing is a lot of entertainers get caught up in chasing the cool so much to the point that your family don't even know who you are. So when it's over and you come back to them, they're looking at you like a stranger. Yeah. And that's the last thing that I'm going to let happen here. And yeah. that X on my last name, that means something. That ain't just for you to remember my name on stage. I'm the same, and my nephew can tell you, the same on stage is off stage. The Absolutely. same on radio is off radio. The same Absolutely. on TV is off TV. Stephen A. Smith said this, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, nephew, because I adapted it for me. Uh -huh. I remember him one day talking about himself on TV. Uh -huh. And what I did was I took out the TV part and I inserted the radio part. Radio. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm not on radio. Wait a minute. I, I don't act like this because I'm on radio. I'm on radio because I act like this. Yeah, man. Yeah. So that's always been my thing. I'm not no radio personality that do comedy on the side. I'm a comedian who does radio. Does I'm radio. a comedian who does TV. I'm a comedian who does voiceovers. But this is me, 24-7. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And I've always respected the game. I respected who you are as a person. And the fact that you are on the radio, I listen to it as much as I possibly can. Um, I tune in when you go live and all those things just to kind of just give love, show support. Always been there. And, um, dude, I, 
one day I will find a way just to come up in there and just kick it, man. Just to go up there and just to see you work live in action. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's a good thing, man. It's always been good. You look effortless when you do it. And um, somebody wouldn't even consider it a job. Because to me, it looked like you're just having a good time, man. You know what I'm saying? Just in there vibing with you and Tab. You know what I mean? So, That's what it is. Yeah. Um, real quick, and I know we're a little bit over time, but real quick, um, I know you've seen the Actors Skill Studio before, and James Lipton had his little questions he would ask. I've modified it a little bit, so I'm going to hit you with these questions. You give me the answer that you come up with right yeah. off the top. What's your favorite word? Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. What's your, uh, what's your least favorite word? I can't. I can't. Very good. Very prophetic. Um, I have a term, TTBS. TTBS is that's that bullshit. Anything and everything you have absolutely no control over in your life, what's that's that bullshit to you? America. I'm, ooh. Tell them, Tom. <laughs> Tell them, Tom. Opposite of that, what is the shit to you? My family. Your family. Absolutely. Um, if you had to introduce yourself to the world, and you had walk-in music to end yourself, introduce yourself to the world. What music or what song would that be? Dennis Edwards, Don't Look Any Further. Walking out of this world, walking out of this lifetime, what's your walk-off music? Public Enemy, Fight the Power. Whoa. Oh, favorite curse word? Shit. And if there was any other profession other than your own, you have tons of them, what would you do? preach hey man listen <laughs> i can see that happening you know what i'm saying but i don't think the world is ready for the total congregation you know what i'm saying it's too much truth in that man dude this has been great man i'm gonna have to bring you back on as a guest for a second time because we didn't cover enough i got a list of questions here we didn't even get to brother so listen man appreciate the time appreciate the thing that you uh you're able to share um, I will post this sometime early uh, next week, man. And uh, thanks again for coming out, man. Hey, man, uh, nephew, listen. To tell the people they can follow me at Tone X Comedy on our social media. And you can also go get that Showtime app so you can see the special Monique and Friends that we just did in Atlanta that was a ball. The lineup was crazy. Myself, uh, Prince T-Dub, Just Niche, Corey B., Donnell Rollins. You can also go to Trendy, Trendy TV and download the app. It's like Roku. Mm -hmm. And you can watch the Tone X Comedy Special that was taped right at the Comedy Zone years ago. You see my man Spanky Brown in there, rest in That's peace. The Michael yep. Foster, lifelong, produced it. Y-Square Management put it together. And I want to tell you something. I want you to understand how much being on this podcast means to me because I heard you talk about the impact that I had on you yeah. and you take things like that for granted because you're just doing you. Yeah. So when you brought that to my attention, I was like, wow, yeah. they do watch, they do listen, they do pay attention. And some of them come back while you're still here yeah. and show you that love. Absolutely. So, man, I appreciate you, nephew. You just getting started, sir. Yes, sir. You just getting started. Yes, sir. All right? 
You're just getting started. When you get on the moon, come to the dark side, because I'll be over there yeah. waiting for you, just so I can say I told you so. Absolutely, man, no doubt. And listen, if y'all don't know his nickname, he is known as the Sock King. And if y'all yeah. sock game ain't on point, y'all have to find a way to go find his socks. Tell me how they can find it. I already <laughs> see the spot. Hey, tell them when you can find the socks. Tell them where they can find the socks at, Tone. Hey, listen, what you do is you can hit up uh, Yolanda. Give me the website. They know you're here. They can feel you. <laughs> yeah. <me> <laughs> Y-S-Pros-E-N-T. YSProsENT.com and just say, listen, I'm looking for socks. And then we get right back on you. Um, we apologize. The website is getting revamped. Okay. Well, I could send you to that. But when that gets up, I'll make sure I get you the information so you can tell your people. Don't no try your uncle because you was trying to see just because I'm in the crib. Is the sock game on point? No, I already know. I already know. I don't doubt you, brother. Yeah, I nothing else is on point. That sock game is on point, baby. I, I got you, man. Hey, again, man, thanks for coming on, man. And I'm going to bring you back on sooner than later, man. I'm going to hold you to it, dude. I'm going to just crash one of your podcasts. No doubt. I got you, man. I got you. All right, man. Peace out. Salute, nephew.